Magnet television. Magnet television. Magnet television. You're watching magnet television because what else are you going to do? Hi, this is Steve Wynn from the Dream Syndicate and the Baseball Project and the Steve Wynn. And I'm going to answer some questions here from my friends over at Magnet. Here we go. Oh, man. That's, um, that's hard. All of them. But if I had to narrow it down, I'm going to say Tangled Up in Blue by Bob Dylan. Um, such a great song, obviously. Um, I know all the words. I've played it a lot a few times. It's um, great on a lot of levels. I mean, just, you know, the, the, the performance, man, out the, right there. The, there's a point in the song where he talks about when finally the bottom fell out, and there's a mistake there. I think it's a bass mistake or a guitar mistake, and the bottom falls out of the song. I love things like that. I like the spontaneity of it. The words are great because they just shift from time and place, from different perspective, first person, third person, and you never really know where you are if you can picture it the whole time. So that, that's a, a big favorite, just genius songwriting. It's, you know, it's, um, I've seen it compared to Picasso, and that's fair enough. It, it is Cubist, the Cubist song. And um, yeah, I like it. Oh, I also should mention it's sort of one of many songs that my wife Linda and I have as our song. Being musicians and music fans, we have a lot of our songs, but that might be the the main one. So favorite song, Tangled Up in Blue. I love questions like this, and and you know, they all. All the great records change your life. There's so many, you know, being a kid and buying Willie and the Poor Boys at May Company on Wilshire Boulevard in L.A. when I was nine. That changed my life. The Sex Pistols and the Ramones changed my life in a different way. But I'm going to say the one that really changed my life the most was when I was 15 years old at a party in L.A. and somebody put on Country Life by Roxy Music. And that just blew my mind, changed my life. I had a pretty good... Um, you know, I was pretty hip to music. I listened to a lot. I was lucky enough to grow up in L.A. when there was a lot of freeform FM radio, KPPC in Pasadena. It was a great one. And so I grew up listening to the Stones and the Beatles and the Who, especially the Who and the Kinks. Those are my four favorites. The Essentials, the Building Blocks, Alice Cooper also, Led Zeppelin, you know, things, things that you would listen to at the time. But hearing Roxy music changed everything because it was so weird. It was so cool and catchy and reminded me of things I liked, but it was just flat out weird. And it was weird in a freaky way and in a kind of a sexy way. And you don't want to discount that as a 15 year old. And in a just what is going on there? I got to know more about this. So Roxy music just really changed so much for me and um, led me to want to make weird music too in my own way. It's a great band. And I still go back to those records all the time. But Country Life was the one, the first one hearing the thrill of it all. I mean, the first, the beginning of that song when you hear the piano get going, it's like Pavlovian for me, of like, hold on tight, something crazy is about to happen. So that's the one, at least today. I could name a bunch of concerts I've played, and there have been a lot of exciting ones, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it in, in, in uh, along with the last question of a, a concert that changed my life. And a lot of them did. Um, here's the one. I was, I think, 18 years old and going to school in UC Davis. I saw a lot of 
great concerts up there as well. But I came home for the summer to L.A., and I saw Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band play at the L.A. Forum. This was on the um, Darkness on the Edge of Town tour. And I think I went by myself. I'm pretty sure I went to see it by myself and was blown away. Just, you know, remember, this is before, you know, he became such an icon. Of course, he was playing in arena, but it was not like he was, you know, known or seen by everybody. And, you you know, I certainly not by me. I've heard a few live recordings. But the, the concert he played in an arena, the thing I saw, well, we all know, we've seen him since then, but it just was so much connecting. It felt like he was playing it just for me. It felt like he turned that giant place into a tiny club. And it was, you know, it was amazing. Um, the reason it changed my life, not just because it was great, not just because it showed me how much you could do by just pushing your show as hard as you can and, and making it all about connecting with your audience and feeling the moment. Not just that, that was a big thing. But the main reason it was important to me is because I had a friend from up in Davis, another school made up there, named Kendra Smith, who was in one of my classes, and we had um, kind of bonded over music that was happening at the time, a lot of new wave and punk rock. And she had gone home for the summer to San Diego, where she lived with her family, where she was from. And I, next morning, I called her on the phone and said, Kendra, I'm driving down right now. You have to see this show. This Bruce Springsteen show is coming to San Diego, the San Diego Sports Arena. I'm buying tickets and we're going. And I did. And back then, you could buy tickets the day of the show. It was, uh, um, I think, three bucks. I'm not kidding. So I bought two three-dollar tickets for me and Kendra. We drove in my AMC Gremlin, the San Diego Sports Arena, and watched the show. And it's weird to say now because you know, you know, again, Springsteen has become this kind of mainstream figure, easy to kind of you shouldn't, but easy to mock because it became something people would parody. But at the time it was magical, and we saw this show, four-hour show, together. And when it was over. <laughs> I said, man, wouldn't it be great if we could do that? We should start a band. And Kendra said, why well, is this thing a little bit, I think she said, in church maybe? And I said, well, I play some guitar and write songs. Let's do it. We went back a few months later to UC Davis to start the next school year and started a band called Suspects. So that Springsteen show transformed me and Kendra from being just music-loving pals to being bandmates. And well, that led to the Dream Syndicate and... A lot more, right? Opal, Mazzy Star, and all that. So, uh, there you go. That was a big show. But Bruce Springsteen at the LA Forum, 1978. I gotta be honest, I don't get embarrassed by much that I do musically. Maybe I should, but I don't. I think everything that I've done in the studio or on stage happened for a reason and kind of was not only something that led me to where I was eventually going and where I am now, but also, even the worst moments, even the moments where things fell apart and things broke, usually meant the band and I had to think twice as hard how to salvage it. it became a challenge, became a thing to react to. Sometimes the worst shows, I'll change it, usually the worst shows are the ones where everything goes perfectly, where, um, where you don't have to think about it, where it's all like clockwork. Because you don't think about it, because you're just going through the motions, which is fine sometimes. I like where everything goes wrong and you got to think on the fly. Uh, so one example that could have been embarrassing or could have been disastrous, the Dream Syndicate in 1986 was on tour in Europe. We went down and played in Athens, Greece. We'd never been there before. I had never been there as a, you know, any 
in any way as a tourist, anything, none, none of us had. And at the time, I remember getting to Athens, and um, we were pretty popular there. They knew our music really well, and we were supposed to play this 5,000 capacity outdoor sporting um, arena kind of place. Crazy, you know. It, would be, it was going to be the biggest audience we ever played to. And they told us, no, I think they said new wave bands, because that's what the closest frame of reference, have ever played here. No, I think this is the last American band to play here with the Rolling Stones, or was, was talking as the last English or American band with the Rolling Stones. Anyway, point being, there weren't a lot of bands like us who had played there, and this was still kind of a new thing. So people were excited. Um, it was a big deal. We were excited. Got on stage, 5,000 people going nuts, crazy. We're rocking out. And about the third song, the PA went out. And I think what had happened was some the the PA lines went through the audience where people were standing, and someone tripped on it, or it got cut, or I don't think anything happened on purpose, but it was out. So suddenly there we are with our amplifiers, with our monitors, but no PA. People were excited. So it could have been embarrassing, catastrophic, or we could have gone back with our tails between our legs thinking, well, that's a missed opportunity. Instead, and I'm not saying we were heroic, we just did what we thought to do in the moment, we went down to the monitors, stage monitors we had, and we turned them all around. So suddenly the monitors were facing the audience, and we had the monitor guy crank them up so they could hear the vocals and hear a little bit of music besides what was coming off stage. Suddenly there's a show happening again, and people went nuts, and we went nuts, and everyone was so excited. And I gotta say, since that time I've played in Greece, um, I don't know, God, 30, 40 times, and that show still comes up with people every time. It was exciting. So proof positive that something embarrassing, like your guitar being, you know, breaking, or, or cables getting cut, or drum sets falling over, or PA not working, or somebody um, passing out on stage, or having laryngitis, or whatever it is. Whatever goes wrong, it's just an opportunity to do something else really right. So that was the embarrassing moment that really wasn't. Now, on the other hand, I once left my house for a tour of Europe, grabbed my guitar case, got on a Delta flight to Amsterdam, and went to the first gig and reached inside the case. And in the case was not my trusty Telecaster or Jazzmaster. It was a 12-string guitar, which is great. You know, good enough for Roger McGuinn, good enough for my buddy Peter Buck, but not something I used that much. And I started thinking, well, I'm going to have to turn this entire tour into a Birds tribute or something. Fortunately, my bass player, Eric Von Lowe, had a guitar he lent me, and that was not embarrassing at all. So there you go. Nothing embarrassing, except maybe if I say something dumb in this interview. Sine.